King Edward VI, His Own Arguments Against the Pope's Supremacy, by King Edward VI. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. His Own Arguments Against the Pope's Supremacy, wherein several popish doctrines and practices contrary to God's word are animadverted on, and the marks of Antichrist are applied to the Pope of Rome. Translated out of the original, written with the king's own hand in French, and still preserved. Edward the Sixth, by the grace of God, King of England, France, and Ireland, defender of the faith, and on earth after God, head of the Church of England and of Ireland. To his most dear and well-beloved uncle, Edward, Duke of Somerset, governor of his person and protector of his kingdoms, countries, and subjects. After having considered, my dear and well-beloved uncle, how much they displease God who waste all their time on the follies and vanities of this world, spending it in trifling sports and diversions from whence comes no profit or benefit to themselves or mankind, I have determined to employ myself about the doing something which will be, as I hope, profitable to myself and acceptable unto you, having then considered that we see many papists not only curse us but call and name us heretics because we have forsaken their antichrist and its traditions and followed the light which god hath been pleased to afford us we are inclined to write something to defend us against their contumelies and lay them as it is just upon their own backs for they call us heretics but alas they are so themselves whilst they forsake the pure voice of the gospel and follow their own imaginations as is most evident from Boniface the Third, who thought, when he was made the universal bishop, that the falling away which St. Paul speaks of in his second epistle to the Thessalonians and second chapter had happened in himself. For St. Paul saith, We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who exalteth himself above all that is called God, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, etc. Notwithstanding, he followed his own proud imaginations and fancies, and did not forsake his errors, which he knew to be very wicked. Considering then by your life and actions that you have a great affection to the divine word and the sincere religion, I dedicate this present work to you, praying you to take it in good part. God give you his perpetual grace and show his benignity upon you forever. From our palace at Westminster, in London, this last day of August, 1549. Footnote. From the date set down by himself, it appears that the following treatise was written by King Edward when only twelve years of age. He began it on December 13th, 1548, and finished it March 14th following. End footnote. A small treatise against the primacy of the Pope. We may easily find and perceive by the experience of the world that human nature is disposed to all evils and entangled by all manner of vices for what nation is there in the earth in which there is not some vice and many disorders and principally in this age because now there is such an exaltation of the great empire of antichrist which is the source of all evil the fountain of all abomination and true son of the devil for when god had sent his only son to heal our infirmities and to reconcile the world unto himself by his death 
the devil instantly changed the institutions of christ into human traditions and perverted the holy scriptures to his purposes and designs by his minister the pope and therefore if the astrologers who maintain that all things shall return to their own elements say a truth the pope shall descend into hell for he cannot belong unto god or be his servant whilst under the pretence of religion and the command of god he usurps unto himself the authority of christ as appears in all his works therefore it seemed best to me in this little book first to condemn the papacy and afterwards the doctrine of the pope though i am not ignorant that it is a difficult task because there are many that will contradict it notwithstanding we will condemn the supremacy of the pope from these following reasons the first part first then whereas the papists say that rome is the mother of all other churches and therefore the bishop of rome ought to be superior to all other bishops i answer that is impossible because the first promise was made unto the jews now rome was then heathen and jerusalem was christian for st paul writing to the romans says through their fall salvation is come unto the gentiles and because the papists cannot prove rome to have been the mother of all the other churches they therefore say the bishop of rome hath received his power from st peter to whom had been given the same authority with christ and remains in the said bishop of rome to this day which they endeavour to prove out of these following texts thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church saith peter and a little farther after and i will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and they allege that other place of scripture where peter says to christ lord thou knowest that i love thee saying that he that loves christ is the chiefest and peter loving christ more than any of the other apostles loved him is thereby the chief and principal of the apostles again they affirm that he only was commanded to feed the sheep of christ and to be the fisher of men and that he was the first speaker and made answer to jesus behold here are two swords from whence the papists conclude that peter had a temporal and a spiritual sword they allege also some human reasons that as the bees have one king so all christians ought to have one pope and that as there was of old amongst the jews a principal priest or bishop as moses and aaron so now it is necessary there should be a bishop of the bishops here are two great falsehoods in these words the one is that the authority and supremacy of the church was given to st peter the other that peter was at rome to the first where they say that that authority was given him by these words thou art peter etc i answer that if you remark the preceding and following words in that chapter of the gospel you will find that christ did not speak of peter as he was barely a man but as he was a believer for the foregoing words are how peter had said thou art the son of god by which it is evident that christ did not say that peter was the foundation of the church but spoke of the faith of peter the following words declare how that christ called peter satan but the church of god is not founded upon satan therefore it is not founded upon peter for if the church was founded upon st peter it would have a weak foundation and like that house which was built on a sandy foundation which could not stand long but the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell in like manner would the church fall if it had so poor a foundation by which one may see that these words in the text thou art peter and upon this stone will i build my church must not be understood of peter but of the faith of peter upon which the church is founded but he was a frail and weak vessel and denied christ thrice their second text is that the keys of heaven were given to st peter to which i answer that the keys were given not only to peter but also to the other apostles 
and by this argument I answer that he was not principal because the rest received the same authority of the keys that was committed to him. On which account St. Paul calls St. Peter the pillar, not the foundation of the church. His companion, not his governor, Galatians 2. And what are the keys of heaven? The authority of pardoning sins? No, it is the preaching of the gospel of God the Father, the gospel, I say, of God, not the popes or devils. And as when a door is open, every one who will may enter therein, so when God sent his gospel, he opened truth, which is the gate of heaven, and gave unto men an understanding of the scriptures, which, if they obeyed, they should thereby be saved. 2 Corinthians 2. By which we see that the gospel and the truth of the scriptures are the only gates that conduct men to the kingdom of God. Whence St. Paul says, Romans 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And a little after he saith, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And in the fourth chapter to the Romans he also saith, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Moreover, we will prove that the preaching of the gospel is the key of heaven. In the tenth chapter to the Romans, Paul affirms that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and that the preaching of the gospel is the door that leads to the invocation of the name of God, whence it follows that the preaching of the gospel is the way and entrance of salvation. Again, Paul affirms that faith justifies, and that the preaching of the gospel causes faith, which I have showed before, whence it follows that the true preaching of the word is the door and entrance to justification. Like as ground which is sowed may produce fruit if the seed be not cast into ground which is full of thistles or thorns or stones, and yet although it be sowed in such ground it will a little meliorate the earth. So if the word of God be sowed in the hearts of honest people, or such as have a zeal for truth, it will confirm them in all goodness. But if any be obstinate and perverse, they cannot impute the fault unto the scriptures, which is really in themselves. Therefore we ought to do our utmost endeavours to cause the gospel to be preached throughout all the world, as it is written, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in my name. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24. Since then it is proved that the keys of heaven is the authority of preaching, and that the authority of preaching was given to all the apostles, I cannot see how, by that text, any more authority was given to Peter than to the other disciples, and St. Paul says he himself was not a whit behind the chiefest apostles. Then, if he said true, St. Peter was not above him, and if I were asked which of them was the better, I should say Paul, because he preached more than they all. But we ought to account certainly that the Spirit of God was poured out upon them all, and that the same Spirit of God which filled St. Peter filled also St. Paul, from whence may be proved that neither of them was superior to the other. Again, the papists say that after Christ was raised from the dead, he asked who loved him, and that Peter answered, he loved him, and therefore they say, he was the chief apostle by which reason every good man ought to have the supremacy over every other because each good and pious person loves god for it is the duty and office of every true christian now the question is not whether peter was faithful pious good a holy and true christian but whether he was principal head governor and king above and over the rest of the apostles and ministers of jesus christ for if the pope would have the authority of st peter 
which was to preach, I would be content to give it him. But he regards but little the precept of God, for Jesus departed into a mountain alone, when he perceived the Jews would make him a king and emperor, and the Pope, by wrong or violence or deceit, hath made all nations subject unto him. Jesus wore a crown of thorns, and a purple robe was thrown upon him in derision, and all the multitude mocked and spit upon him. But the Pope decks himself with a triple crown, and is adored by kings, princes, emperors, and all estates of persons. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and kings kissed the feet of the Pope. Jesus paid tribute, but the Pope receives and pays none. Jesus opened his mouth and taught the Pope. The Pope takes his ease and rest in his castle of St. Angelo. Jesus healed all diseases. The Pope rejoices in blood and massacres. Christ bore his cross upon his shoulders. The Pope is borne upon the shoulders of men. Christ came with peace and poverty into the world. The Pope delights in stirring up war against the kings and princes of the earth. Christ came meekly, humbly, and compassionately, sitting upon an ass. But the Pope rides in all pomp and splendor. Christ was a lamb. The Pope is a wolf. Christ was poor, the Pope would have all Christian kingdoms under his power and command. Christ drove the money-changers and sellers out of the temple, the Pope received them in. Jesus instituted the sacrament in commemoration of himself, the Pope formed the Mass, a masterpiece of imposture. Jesus ascended into heaven, and the Pope falls into hell. God hath commanded that we should have no other God but him, and the Pope makes himself to be honoured like unto a great God. God forbids us to commit idolatry, and the Pope is the author of image-worship. God hath prohibited swearing in vain, but the Pope allows his friends perjury. God hath commanded the use of festivals in good works, prayers and devotions, but the Pope allows pomp, games, idleness and mimicry to be exercised on those days in churches. God hath forbidden murder and killing any person, and it is a matter of great compassion and sorrow to see how cruelly the Pope persecutes Christians. God foretold this persecution in Matthew 24. Many false prophets, said Christ, shall arise at that time, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but the gospel shall be preached in all the world. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And is not this come to pass now? Yea, for there are many wolves in sheep's clothing, who under the pretense of religion obscure the true doctrine of Christ, and almost all abominations were introduced into the holy place, that is to say, brought into the church of God. But to return to our matter, God hath forbid adultery, notwithstanding the Pope, who will be obedient to his father the devil, commands his priests to keep several concubines and harlots, rather than join themselves to any in marriage. God hath forbid stealing from either man, woman, or child, but the Pope is such an old thief that he robs even God of his honour, and transfers it to himself. God hath forbid bearing false witness against any one, but the Pope cries that all is good grist which comes to his mill. God hath commanded us to be content with what is our own, but the Pope will have every house pay him a tribute. To conclude, he is in everything opposite to God. But I cannot blame him, for he fulfils the command of Peter, which says, Children obey your parents, and the demon of hypocrisy is his father, to whom he pays all obedience. The devil walketh about as a roaring lion, saith St. Peter, seeking whom he may devour. And does not the Pope do the same? Yea, certainly, for he not only ordains wicked and unjust laws, but he pursues to death all who have a true zeal and love towards God. 
but to return to the primacy of peter i ask how many kingdoms st peter had under his dominion for it was impossible that all kingdoms should be under him when st james was the bishop of jerusalem and that city was not then christian neither can i see how peter should be the chief for st paul says to the corinthians concerning the apostles all are yours and you are christ's and christ is god's likewise st peter calls himself by no other title but peter an apostle of jesus christ by which it is manifest that we are not peter's but peter is ours again when paul came to antioch he withstood peter to his face because he was to be blamed which he would not have done if peter had possessed any such authority or could not have lied as they say but as i have said thereupon paul seeing the dissimulation of peter said unto him if thou being a jew livest after the manner of gentiles and not as do the jews why compellest thou the gentiles to live as do the jews we who are jews by nature and not sinners of the gentiles knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of jesus christ even we have believed in jesus christ that we might be justified by the faith of christ and not by the works of the law let us then see how it is possible that peter should be chief for if he was principal who loved christ the best it is evident that st john would be the chiefest of the apostles for christ appointed him to take care of his mother and john lay in the bosom of jesus whilst he supped but to the matter in hand i ask whether a lawful council can be called but by the pope to which i am sure the papists will answer negatively then i ask if the pope can call a council before his election to which i know they will reply he cannot if then no council is lawful without a pope and that none who is labouring to be elected pope can assemble a council then the council which confirms the pope as superior over the church is not lawful because it was not convocated by a pope and there being then none elected but being thus driven from the argument they fly to another and say that christ commanded peter to feed his sheep but he commanded all the rest to do the same saying go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in my name but the pope does not obey the commandment of jesus christ for he doth not feed his sheep but devours them like a roaring lion who walks about to seek his prey now i wish the pope would obey the commandment which god gave unto st peter for i should not regret his having authority to preach christ to all the world but he leaves the preaching of the gospel and usurps the authority of being head of the church which of right belongs to none but christ it is true the pope is primate of the church but it is not the divine or catholic church but the diabolical one for he transgresses the commandment given in general to st peter and the rest of the apostles for when christ sent his twelve disciples to preach the gospel of repentance and the kingdom of god he said behold i send you forth as sheep amongst wolves for the bishop of rome is like a wolf amongst sheep eating and devouring the poor sheep of christ and when they are hid by fear he takes the voice of a sheep to betray and devour them he excuses himself from preaching upon its being too low and mean an office for him saying he hath lower officers and ministers for that work whilst he is taken up with seeing and attending to the singing of the masses but i answered to the first that if the office of preaching was not below st peter who had received all his authority and power from christ himself methinks those who call themselves the successors of peter should not esteem the office too mean for them st paul writes to timothy what every bishop ought to be a bishop saith he must be blameless the husband of one wife sober of good behaviour given to hospitality apt to teach not given to wine no striker not given to filthy lucre but one that ruleth well his own house having his children in subjection with all gravity now let us arraign the pope before st paul and examine whether by st paul's rule he be guilty or not 
the first command to a bishop is to be blameless but we have proved that the bishop of rome transgresses all the commandments of god by which he stands guilty the second is that he be the husband of one wife in which the bishop of rome errs mightily for he allows concubines and counts filthiness better than lawful and honest marriage the third is that he should be sober and full of wisdom and virtue which the bishop of rome very little observes the fourth is that he be liberal given to hospitality not greedy of filthy lucre but the bishop of rome is full of avarice and oppression the fifth is that he be apt to teach but our diabolical father accounts maintaining the glory of god by preaching as too mean an office for him notwithstanding his predecessor peter either preached the gospel or sinned against god in not observing that commandment go ye and preach the gospel over all the world but he will imprison slay and burn those who do preach the word and would himself be the executioner if he did not find others to do it in his stead by which we may see that he loves himself more than he loves god what shall i say more he disobeys all the orders of st paul give verdict therefore whether he be guilty or innocent but now we will proceed to their other arguments and first to their maintaining peter to be the chief for which they allege his being commanded to feed the sheep to which i answer that all the apostles were commanded as well as he to feed the sheep of christ in these words of the gospel go ye all and preach etc for the preaching of the gospel signifies nothing else but feeding his sheep and their other argument is not more substantial when they say peter was a fisher of men for i say andrew and john were by the same authority made fishers of men for fishers of men are really nothing but preachers of christ now if the preaching of the gospel be unlawful without authority from peter or the pope then the preaching of st paul was not lawful because he did not receive his authority from peter notwithstanding the pope accounts himself a god saying i cannot lie therefore i have spoken truth to which i answer that if he be not greater than peter he may lie for peter denied christ thrice peter then lied thrice and st paul afterwards reproved him for his dissimulation but the bishop of rome lies notoriously if in nothing else but in his pretending to be the head of the christian church and having the keys of heaven for if the pope have the keys of heaven i make this query when the pope is dead and none hath the keys how can any soul enter into heaven no person till he be elected pope having the keys whence it must follow that the pope being dead heaven's gates are closed but it is a folly to say that the pope hath the keys of heaven and hell when christ is our only mediator our gate head shepherd redeemer and sovereign lord who after he had taught instructed done many miracles and suffered death for us and pronounced salvation to all that believe on his name and from the power of his passion faithfully believed to be saved ascended into heaven with great honour and glory and is seated on the right hand of god his father where he intercedes for us remaining for ever with his blessed father and the holy ghost one god in trinity and three persons in unity full of power and virtue and free from vice and sin remaining with us by his spirit and being in every respect equal with his father till he shall come in glory to be judge of all the world whose goodness is inscrutable mercy inexpressible and glory most inestimable he is our governor and master he is our shepherd and redeemer and we are his subjects and sheep we are ransomed by his blood and washed by the waters of baptism to show that we are his sheep none else is our pastor or lord neither the pope nor any on earth can be our head else we should become a monster having two heads paul writing to the corinthians says that all is ours peter apollos and all other apostles were ours and we are christ's and christ is god's whereby it appears that peter is not a head but a minister unto us therefore we must esteem god our spiritual father who by the passion of christ took from us all the pains of death and hell to all who believe in him that is 
the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If the Pope then will be called our spiritual father, we shall have three fathers, whereof the one is carnal and two spiritual. Neither can the Pope be so, for as Christ is the immaculate Lamb and only Son of God endued with all power, on the other side the Pope is an unclean and ravenous wolf, and only son of the devil his father, from whom he hath received his authority and office. But I would fain know whether the Pope be our spiritual, carnal, or diabolical father. In the first place I see not how he can be our carnal father, because he lives celibate and makes a profession of chastity. Neither can he be our spiritual father, being so addicted to the world and worldliness, then it follows that he must be our diabolical father." let us therefore conclude that as it was said of christ thou art my son this day i have begotten thee god will say to the pope thou art my enemy this day i have destroyed thee and as christ was of the order of melchizedek so the pope is of the order diabolic but as christianity is spiritually very good and well designed yet if there be not good order to preserve it it must decay as the body of a man would not be healthy with two heads four arms or four feet so these christian countries could never well subsist under the distraction of two equal sovereigns but some may question me then and say what then you would not have any kings or emperors but to that i answer that god who sent his only son down into the world made him king over it putting all spiritual and temporal authority into his hands he by his sovereignty hath placed kings to be his lieutenants over the earth but he hath not ordained any supreme bishop, for we find none so authorized by the Holy Scripture. Now if the papists say that the Pope is heir to them, I would advise him then to stay till Christ were dead before they seized upon his kingdom, because no heirs take the possession of their inheritances till after the death of their predecessors. Moreover, the papists say that as under the old law there was a high priest or archbishop of the Jews, so there ought now to be a head or supreme minister amongst Christians to which i answer that the priesthood of aaron and moses represented the supremacy of our saviour christ not the pope for christ who came down to the earth and suffered death for us says of himself that he was our messiah and that he was the true bread which came down from heaven and our only shepherd for st john testifies that he says i am the door he that entereth not by me into the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way is a thief but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow. But the Pope, not coming by Christ, is an abominable thief. Therefore all true and good sheep ought to fly from him, for he comes to devour, not feed them, to prey upon them, not instruct them. But the papists, being thus scourged with their own rod, that is, with their own argument, say further that after the disciples had preached about the cities, after they returned to Jesus, he asked them whether they had any sword with them, and that they answered, Here are two swords. Now they urge further that one of the swords signifies the spiritual, the other the temporal power, which reason, as shall be showed hereafter, is foolish and vain. For first we ought to consider from whence the apostles came, they had been sent to preach Christ to all people, and to show the light to those that sat in darkness. Secondly, we must consider the power Christ had on earth, for he said himself that his kingdom was not of this world, and there are two sorts of authority, the one spiritual, the other temporal. 
on which account St. Paul writes in his first epistle to the Corinthians, as the body is one, and hath many members for several uses, so there are also in the church of Christ, amongst the spiritual ministers, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, and some temporal ministers, as kings, emperors, governors, and lieutenants. Now Christ was a spiritual minister, as he testifies of himself, saying, My kingdom is not of this world and again when two brethren came unto him and requested him to divide their inheritance between them he answered man who made me a judge or a divider over you the third thing to be considered is that christ spake to the disciples concerning these swords ironically fourthly that all the apostles answered together behold here are two swords fifthly you may observe in the text that the apostles understood not what christ meant by all which we may easily understand that text for after the apostles had been sent to preach the gospel of truth when they returned to jesus he said unto them had you any sword with you then as much as to say when i sent you first out you would have starves with you but now what do you think hath not my grace kept you from all evil or else what need have you of a sword then his disciples not peter only not understanding what christ said answered there were two swords by which we see christ spoke ironically and that all the disciples made answer not peter alone as if he should say i have two swords the one signifying my temporal authority the other signifying my spiritual jurisdiction neither would nor could christ give a temporal authority forasmuch as he was a spiritual minister and the papists err extremely in one argument where they say that cephas is a head whereas in truth cephas is a stone but when these their arguments are weakened, then they cry, It is probable that Peter was the chief apostle, because he spake first at that time concerning our dispute, and so answered in behalf of all the apostles. But it is more likely he was not the prince over the rest, for St. Paul says, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, 2 Corinthians 11, for in nothing I am behind the very chiefest apostles, 2 Corinthians 12, in which number Peter is comprised now we must not dispute what is most probably true but what is most certainly true nevertheless let us examine whether it be probable or not for andrew sometimes spake first and is not to be doubted but that each of them sometimes spake first but it does not therefore follow that he who speaks sometimes first must be bishop of the bishops his first speaking at that time may signify that he was of a very courageous spirit or else that he could have desired to have been the greatest but christ said they that humble themselves like a little child shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven neither is there any lofty proud title in the kingdom or church of christ as you may see in that magnificat in luke luke one for god loves humility and christ says in mark if any man desire to be first the same shall be last of all and servant unto all and in another evangelist he saith whoso receiveth one such little child in my name receiveth me and unless ye become as little children ye shall not be fit for the kingdom of heaven matthew eighteen nor does peter attribute so high a title to himself as the pope takes upon him for he writes thus in his epistle peter a servant and an apostle of jesus christ and no more but the pope what does he say paul the third by the grace of god the most holy pope and father deputy to peter and vicar to christ king of kings prince of princes bishop of the bishops and god on earth behold therefore how he calls himself god and blasphemes christ behold how he is filled and puffed up with pride and vanity behold how large and fair a name and title he takes though he be a venomous serpent calling himself the most holy father whereas he is a detestable thief and contaminated with all uncleanness 
he calls himself the pope which word signifies father unto all nations whilst he brings them to destruction nay he calls himself the vicar of christ and deputy of st peter and god upon earth whilst he is vicar to beelzebub deputy to lucifer and a terrestrial demon for he would seem to be very good whilst he is very wicked and it is no wonder if the ministers of the devil appear brave and triumphant outwardly for st paul writes to the corinthians no marvel what false apostles and deceitful workers can transform themselves into satan himself being transformed into an angel of light wherefore you may easily discern the true ministers of the word from the false antichrists because the true apostles walk after the spirit of god and the false walk after the flesh let us therefore see whether the pope be the minister of god or the devil which i fear he will prove proclaiming himself a good man a most holy bishop a king of kings whereas he is the tyrant of tyrants all others exercise their tyranny over bodies but this wolf and tyrant exercises his tyranny over the souls of men constraining the poor and simple lambs of god to forsake their faith whereby they are saved to follow his abominable traditions and diabolical precepts which if they refuse to obey to wit adoring images and offering to his idols and devils he burns racks and torments them or forces them to a costly recantation during the reign of my late father the king footnote henry the eighth end footnote when the pope's name was blotted out of our books he stopped the mouths of christians with his six articles as if he would choke them and at this day in france before any one is burnt a little before the execution they cut out his tongue that he may not speak considering then that the pope is the minister of lucifer i am in good hopes that as lucifer fell from heaven into hell so the pope his vicar will fall from the great glory of his papacy into contemptible derision for david hath said in his psalms with the pure thou wilt show thyself pure and with the froward thou wilt show thyself froward again the pope hath taken god's honour away from him therefore i hope god will divest him of his honours and glory as the virgin mary saith he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree take heed of thyself then o pope for if thou tumblest thou wilt have a terrible fall as a man who is got up into a high tower would have a huge leap if he should fall down so thou who hast exalted thyself into the heavens wouldst thou fall down into the abyss of hell as christ foretold of tyre and sidon but to return to the pope's primacy i know very well that the scripture speaks of one god one faith one baptism but no mention of one pope now if peter had been a god on earth and vicar of christ we should have been baptized into his name but paul who affirms himself to be inferior to none of the apostles will not allow us to be baptized in his name nay he is so far from having us baptized into the name of peter that he will not have it said i am of peter or of paul or of apollos and now that the papists cannot prove by the scriptures that we ought to have one pope they run to similitude saying that as the creatures in the earth as the bees have a king over them so all christians ought to have one king and pope to which i will answer three ways first that their reason is not extracted from the holy scripture but from their own invention secondly that all the bees which are in the world or in christendom have not a king thirdly that if all bees have their king so have we namely jesus christ but the papists will then say that if we condemn the papacy we shall condemn our forefathers as heretics i will answer to that as god answered elijah when he said to the lord that the children of israel had forsaken his covenant and were unjust and wicked yet i have left me seven thousand in israel all the knees which have not bowed to baal neither must we imagine 
but there have been many christians in the world some of whom have spoken openly against the papacy and others that have kept their knowledge and sentiments to themselves but the papists will not suffer us to know more than our fathers but i know very well that our religion consists not of old customs or the usage of our fathers but in the holy scriptures and the divine word and that if you think antiquity and custom makes a thing good is older than the world for god is the word who was without beginning and shall continue without end and if you think truth ought to be followed and obeyed all truth is contained in that book our religion ought not to be steered or governed by our forefathers for ezekiel saith walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers for they were polluted moreover our god and saviour and redeemer jesus christ said i am the way and the truth and the life he did not say i am the old custom the papists then say that though christ did not indeed ordain the pope yet he left it to the church to do it to which i ask how peter then was elected the universal bishop for all things necessary to our salvation are written in the bible as st paul testifies in his epistle to timothy where he says but continue thou in the things which thou hast learnt etc and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in christ jesus the second part but to what purpose do we go about to prove that peter is not the head of the church for allow he had been so that does not conclude that the bishop of rome is the principal head for the papists themselves cannot prove that peter was ever at rome by the scripture they cannot prove it nor by any true history therefore the bishop of rome loses one of his great titles papa ex jure divino pope by divine right for no authority can be ex jure divino unless it be confirmed by the scripture well then we have him in a great plunge since he must be forced to say paul pope by human traditions for if he be not bishop by the divine word but only by human traditions then all kings princes and other magistrates may abrogate the statutes and institutions made by their fathers as we have seen before if every one then had known this the pope had been poor long ago now the papists say that the bishop of rome was instituted by the primitive church but no more than mohammed for they began near the same age and the pope was elected when all manner of wicked errors were advanced in christendom nevertheless to prove that peter was at rome they produced the clementine epistles but we will prove them counterfeited and falsified by the papists for in them it is written that peter was at rome in the second year of the reign of claudius and lived there twenty-five years but christ was crucified in the eighteenth year of tiberius and he reigned five years after the crucifixion Caius Caligula reigned four years, and Claudius two, which makes it eleven years before Peter went to Rome, and in the eighteenth year of our Lord Paul found St. Peter in Jerusalem, by which we see their history is false. And we will prove that it is not true that Clement wrote those epistles unto James, for James was dead before Clement was bishop. Moreover, St. Peter was the bishop of the Jews, and not of the Gentiles, for St. Paul glories in several places that he was the apostle of the Gentiles again st paul writing to the galatians says that he went up to jerusalem to see peter therefore it is most probable that peter dwelt for the most part in jerusalem or in the adjacent cities and here we may see the craft of the devil and the power of god for notwithstanding the devil to establish his power invented the clementine epistles 
though they were counterfeited by the papists yet i say god by his goodness and clemency towards his elect hath caused the said epistles to be so written that every one who hath read history may plainly comprehend and understand that they were feigned by serpentine subtlety and by some abominable and obdurate papists in several other instances also we may discover their false subtlety for notwithstanding that the holy scripture saith idols are senseless things and without life they have often framed images which sometimes rolled their eyes sometimes turned their heads sometimes moved their hands and sometimes their whole bodies by which means they made people believe that an image made of wood heard and understood them all of it being made so to the life that as they turned them they made the head and eyes of the image to turn also but as daniel with ashes or sand proved that the idol bell did not eat but his priests so by the holy scriptures the confession of several persons and by observation and experience they have been proved to have been mere machines and other instruments the third part since we see that peter neither was the chief nor was at rome considering that they say the pope cannot lie we will examine whether they themselves have not acknowledged that no person ought to be the primate of the church for gregory the first hath written that none ought to be pope gregory was then bishop of rome and morris was emperor and there were many heresies in christendom and the bishop and patriarch of constantinople at that time pretended to be the universal bishop who was much favoured by morris but gregory declared then in his writings that there ought to be no principle in the church and now the papists are overthrown by this they say that by the consent of the general councils and doctors a universal bishop was established under the name of pope whereas for four or five hundred years after christ there was no person in the world that was distinguished or called by that name moreover when there were several contentions about the papacy all learned persons detested the opinion that there must be a pope and sometimes the very bishops of rome themselves abhorred it and st cyprian writing concerning the unity of the church saith there is one bishop of whom every bishop holds a share for as there are many beams in the sun yet the brightness is but one many branches in a tree several streams from a fountain in like manner the church is but one which being illuminated by the brightness of our lord who extends his beams throughout all the world yet nevertheless the clarity is but one namely jesus christ likewise the same cyprian being bishop of carthage calls the bishop of rome his companion moreover st jerome bishop of rome humbles the style of primate saying if there be any question of the authority of a primate of the church also there are bishops of nations and cities it follows not therefore that there is a primate over all the world for the world is much greater than any city and also in the council of carthage it was decreed that none should be called the first or primate of the bishops what shall i say more it was consented and agreed by all for six hundred years after christ that none ought to be pope how could peter then have been primate or the pope his successor for peter in his epistles does not command but prays and beseeches the ministers of god likewise when he is accused for having communicated with the gentiles he does not burn his accusers as the pope does his but excuses himself and shows a submission again when he was sent to samaria by his brethren and companions he readily obeyed their decree and went down to that city the fourth part of this detestable and diabolical pope the holy scriptures in several places give us a plenary demonstration some of which i shall show unto you 
as first in the seventh of daniel it is set down how that daniel who was beloved by belshazzar saw a vision which appeared to him thus i saw says daniel in my vision by night and behold the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea and four great beasts came up out of the earth the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings and i beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and a man's heart was given to it the second beast was like unto a bear and it raised up itself on one side and they said thus unto it arise devour much flesh the third was like unto a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the said beast had also four heads. After this I beheld the fourth beast, which was dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, and devoured everything, and it had ten horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and it had eyes and a mouth speaking blasphemies and i beheld till i saw the ancient of days did sit and i beheld saith daniel till the judgment was set for the horn and till the beast was slain and his body given to the burning flame and it shall be for a time times and half a time now the four winds and the four beasts as melanchthon uculampadius and all learned writers say signify the four monarchies the first was that of the assyrians whereof nebuchadnezzar was emperor who after he had been made like unto the beasts for a long season had the understanding of a man given him again the second signified the empire of the persians which was a dominion of great cruelty the third notified the grecian empire which was immediately raised to its grandeur and the four wings and four heads signify the four emperors which succeeded alexander and divided amongst them the grecian monarchy for seleucus was made king of syria ptolemy got egypt antigonus asia and cassander greece the fourth beast signifies the terrible monarchy of the romans out of which has arisen a little horn which is antichrist and antichrist hath two eyes namely the pope and mohammed for notwithstanding that the pope doth not speak against christ as mohammed doth nevertheless i answer that the pope is as much or rather more an antichrist than mohammed for as he who flatters us is our enemy though he seems to be our friend so the pope who styles himself the servant of the servants of god is the enemy of christ whilst under the shadow of religion he puts in practice all hypocrisy idolatry dissimulation and all sorts of traditions his time shall be a time times and a half that is to say his days shall be shortened for the number of seven stands for a perfect number in scripture for st paul says the just fall seven times a day that is often now the half of seven is three and a half therefore we must interpret by that imperfect time that those days shall be shortened st paul also in two epistles prophesies of the pope first writing to the thessalonians he says now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord that ye be not so soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as that the day of christ is at hand let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above god so that he as god sitteth in the temple of god showing himself as god and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way again st paul writing to timothy speaks thus now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times 
some shall depart from the faith giving heed to doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which god hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe now let every one be asked if the pope hath not forbidden certain meats at certain times and they must all confess he hath for most folks have felt it or perchance i should not be a liar if i said that most all folks have felt it and concerning the prohibition of marriage ask their own priests st peter tells us that there shall come in the last days scoffers etc st john in the apocalypse says seven angels poured out the vials of god's wrath upon the earth and the signification is probable to be thus the first vial to be the assyrian monarchy when the people of israel became captive to nebuchadnezzar the second the persian monarchy the third vial the monarchy of the grecians which alexander first established the fourth was the roman monarchy which the apocalypse because of its grandeur says the fourth vial was poured upon the sun the fifth is our antichrist the pope the sixth vial is the dominion of mohammed the seventh vial signifies the end of the world and the day of judgment in the following chapter he declares that one of the seven angels came and talked with him and showed him the state honour and riches of the pope for he says he saw a woman sit upon the beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour and decked with gold having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications and upon her forehead was written babylon the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth revelation seventeen the seven heads signify the seven hills which antichrist dwells on for rome is built upon seven mountains the seven horns are the number of the kings who made war with the lamb and the lamb overcame them for he is lord of lords and king of kings then another angel came down from heaven crying babylon is fallen and is become the habitation of devils thence i hope that the kingdom of antichrist shall be destroyed for though the wicked may prosper for a time their dominion shall not last but those who study the law of the lord their prosperity shall last for ever st paul writing to timothy says this know also that in the last days men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers etc two timothy three and the prophet isaiah saith that christ shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked isaiah eleven since we see then that the reign of antichrist shall not last for ever we must wait for the destruction of babylon and submit ourselves to the will of the lord the conclusion and fifth part in the first part of our book we have proved and declared that peter was not primate of the church by confuting all the papistical reasons for it in the second we have proved that they cannot produce and allege any true testimony that st peter was at rome in the third part we have proved from themselves that they have said they ought not to have the primacy in the fourth part we have explained the prophecies speaking of antichrist since then the pope is that wicked one very son of the devil an antichrist and an abominable tyrant let us pray unto the lord to preserve those still in the light who have seen it and that he will show the sincere pure and true light unto those who sit in darkness that all the world may glorify god in this life and be partakers of the eternal kingdom of heaven in the world to come by the merits of jesus christ our saviour to whom with the father and the holy ghost be all honour glory dominion and praise for ever and ever amen footnote the original manuscript is written in french by the king's own hand and is entitled l'encontre les abus du monde 
that is, against the abuses of the world, meaning, as Stripe observes, the abuses imposed upon the faith and worship of Christians by the Pope, whom he calls Antichrist. It is authenticated to be the king's own composition by a note written at the end by his instructor in the French language, when translated it is as follows. Just as a good painter can represent the visage, look, countenance, and bulk of a prince, so by the writings, words, and actions of a prince one may easily understand what spirit is in him, and to what he is addicted. As one may see by the writings of this young king who composed and wrote this book, being not yet fully twelve years old, and without the help of any person living, except as to the subject which he had heard of many, and the remembrance which he had of books that he had read for from the time he began to write the said book and until he had finished it the said book was always in my keeping even to the present time a very few corrections of small importance have been made by the french instructor end of footnote end of king edward the sixth his own arguments against the pope's supremacy by king edward the sixth